Hey, everybody. This is episode number five of Festool Shop Talk with Ronnie Fulton from Fulton Fine Woodworks. He is a remodeler out of Lexington, Kentucky. And this is really a must listen. Listen to the whole thing because Ronnie gives a ton of sound advice for contractors out there. But here's the key. He came over 12 years ago as an IT guy into a full-time remodeler. And he's got so much sound advice for you. So give it a listen and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, everybody. Welcome to Festo Shop Talk once again. I want to introduce you to this gentleman down below or up top, however the screen is split on Instagram Live. His name is Ronnie Fulton, and he is on Instagram at Fulton Fine Woodworks and on YouTube on Fulton Fine Woodworks. <laughs> Give go. him a follow. I've uh, known Ronnie. Ronnie, how long have I known you? About 10 years, 12 I've, years? Actually, 12 years. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Holy I, moly. I met you in my class. I just, at a whim, it was a, about a three hour drive away to festival headquarters and I signed up for a class. And I met you before you were known. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still unknown. Hey, no. um, okay, let me get this correct. If I remember, you are a remodeler out of Lexington, Kentucky area. Correct. Okay. And uh, a remodeler, I see on your, I've always talked to you about this, trim carpentry. You do all kinds of great custom work. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Ronnie, to get going here. Um, I was in the IT world for about 15 years. Um, in the background, I bought a house when I was 21 that was just about unlivable. I needed to fix it up. I didn't have a lot of money. I got it for about half price and I started buying tools. So while I was in the IT world, in the background, I was trying to figure out how to do the house thing. And I did a lot of trial and error. I ended up remodeling the um, kitchen probably twice, bathrooms three times, because <laughs> things that I thought people wouldn't be able to notice when I was done, I was like, well, that doesn't really look that good. So uh, I learned, did a lot of hands-on. Um, I call it on the streets learning. Didn't have a lot of YouTube or anything. My main um, ways I learned was um, this old house, shows like that, New Yankee Workshop, things like that. But um, I, I finally made the jump 12 years ago to be full-time in woodworking, and um, I've never looked back. It's been great. Hmm. It's funny uh, you said that, uh, New Yankee Workshop and this old house. Every time I've been out with those guys, just hanging out with them, people come up all the time, pros, you know, some, you know, enthusiasts, but a lot of pros come up and say, man, you guys inspired me. I used to watch New Yankee Workshop with my dad on Saturday mornings, and I went into the trades because of it. Yes. It's pretty yeah. daggone cool. Um, I was really impressed to hear that. And those guys are just so humble. Okay, so I gave a description of your business. How would you define or describe your business down in Kentucky? Uh, I would consider unco unconventional, like it's not easy to explain really quickly, but I would just separate it kind of into categories. We have one aspect where we do custom woodworking. seems like the woodworking I do a lot of times is very complicated um, and hurts my brain and keeps me up at night. Uh, that's probably what sums up a lot of the woodworking that we do. It's either logistically or right. how to do this. And um, we have that aspect of the business. And then we do a lot of high-end home products which also incorporate woodworking tools and, and um, for like, for say like uh, outdoor power screens, we do porches that are like 20 feet wide and we enclose them with power screens that come down and those can get really intricate because we usually try to make those into the headers and we make the columns, make it look yeah. like they're not even there. So there's a lot that goes into that. And then the other aspect of the business is uh, we have rental houses that just within my wife and the kids and I, we, every winter we try to get a house that um, we renovate through the winter and by spring, we try to have it up for rent. So that's, we kind of break our business up into three, three areas. And that would be the area. It's kind of neat over the years, watching the uh, kids grow up online, working <laughs> yeah. on the houses and, 
I mean, Cam's got his own his own gig going now. Oh which is yeah, awesome. and oh, I yeah. want to get him on Festival Shop Talk eventually. I, I, he's back in school right now, and I take every day. He's like, Dad, can I just go to work with you today? He doesn't know how much I'm like want to say yes. Come on, come with me. <laughs> and I say no, you have to go. But uh, yeah, sure. and my daughter's a great help too. They both have their own skills, and my daughter, I find she's she will. I give her a task, and she will stick with it. And she yeah. is she's great. She's 16 now and driving and taking Cameron to school. They're both going to high school. So that's been a real uh, adjustment for us getting used to that. They're growing up quick. <laughs> oh, blink of an eye, huh? Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. But what a great, a great avenue to teach kids is on that job site. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, they've, they could take that with them for the rest of their lives. I mean, right. I can... I didn't know I was learning with my dad in his shop or my grandfather in his shop. I didn't know I was learning woodworking. I was just having a great time hanging out with them and, you know, idolizing them, you know, right. and he just, right. what great role models they were. Right. It's been pretty awesome. Right. So that's cool. Okay. So you were in IT. Yes. I, um, what? Okay. So for the people out there, I think this is really important to understand what what was the impetus that gave you that because that's a leap of faith isn't it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes so wow i guess the biggest thing when i look back is i always had the interest um even i was in kindergarten i was watching this old house um and yankee workshop i had i knew it when it came on i was watching it so i had the interest that translated to me that maybe I would like to be an architect because I always like to draw. So I was like, it's perfect. I'll be an architect. So all of my focus through high school was not wood shop. It wasn't taking, I thought I wanted to go into architecture. So when I went to school, first year of architecture school, I realized that I didn't like sitting at a desk. I didn't like doing that. I realized that it wasn't, I made the wrong choice. So I actually dropped out. And luckily I had a computer all the way through high school and I knew more than the common person I knew enough to make it, enough to fake it. And I got into a large corporation, the largest corporation in our city um, at the time and started working in IT. And when I got in the door there, I actually had training and and everything I didn't know, I learned there. And I springboarded off from that to um, up Toyota. It was Toyota corporate headquarters, which was nearby. And I started working, I started working for Toyota um, for the last 12 years um, before I jumped jump ship, but it was a great job, great opportunity, great pay. It allowed me to buy tools on the side and renovate house yeah. in the background. Yeah. Uh, I was growing my skills. And then towards the end, I started even doing work for people that I worked with. They were also well-paid. That's when I started realizing that you can make money with this. If you have the right yeah. clients, right type of projects, that kind of thing. So I got yeah. my feet wet while I was still in the IT world, but, um, Making the jump was still scary. Very scary. <laughs> yeah. Huh. What, what gave you the, the push? Well, the ultimate push was my wife was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. She had a oh. lump that came up on her neck and we were like, it's probably nothing. And she went and had it checked out and she had already had, she was in stage two of Hodgkin's lymphoma and our kids were one in three. And we went through that whole process and um, chemo radiation. And she finally um, had the all clear. And I told her, I'm ready to go. Life is short. Um, Let's just, let's do this. And she said, failure is not an option. And we did it. Wow. So we just jumped. Never looked back. Never looked back. (laughs) Never looked back. funny. uh, How long ago was that? That was 12 years ago. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. were just getting started when oh, I knew you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I when went I to your you. class, when, you, when I went to your class, I was so afraid that I was going to fail. I was looking for anything. I was already into festival. I already had a track saw. Yeah. I already had the back. And I thought, I know this company. They're they're giving training classes. I, I don't, don't remember. the. I think it was a cabinet building class is what I went to your first wow. class. And when wow. I was in there, I was, I was probably the star student because I was like, I gotta, I gotta make sure I know everything <laughs> so when I went to the class. So you were part of my reaching out and trying to fill in the gaps of things I felt like I maybe didn't know. That's, wow. that's where that comes from. And it's, the kids were one in three. It was a scary time. We look back sometimes when we think, how do we do that? But I think we were yeah. still almost in a fog from what we just went through. Yeah. Huh. It's funny. I just, you know, I remember Cam when I first met him, how shy he was. He just looked down at the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys came through here in a motor home 
and yeah. uh, you were heading somewhere. Right. We went, we went across, we did two years in a row. We, we spent three weeks and went out West, did a loop and came back um, over two years. We went 24,000 miles in RV. Um, and that, awesome. that also comes back from Kelly's cancer and us realizing that life is short and yep. um, we just made the time for it. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of people say they want to wait till later, later may not come. So we just make sure we allocate enough time each year to take trips, do things together it's never a great time, but we try to make time. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, for me and the cabinet industry, we did have a little bit of freedom. You could schedule jobs to do stuff with family. And that's the beauty of owning your own business, right? Especially in yes. the trades, I think. Yeah. I just think it's just important. You have, to make sure. rule, you have to make rules for yourself, like that you only work Monday through Friday. Because if not, you can, um, you can work seven days a week forever. So you have to make kind of rules and deals with yourself. Uh huh. That that's probably the drawback yeah. of being the boss. <laughs> you make yourself work yeah, oh harder. No. <laughs> For sure, you're trying to knock out a, a kitchen, and you say, "Hey, I can go like five or six more hours. Yes. To shop at night. Yes. And you know, guess- Cameron. Cameron sometimes the person who calls me out on it. He'll be like, "Dad, why why do we have to finish this today? We've been here twelve hours. He's, Let's just come back tomorrow." And I'm like, yeah, he's he's right. (laughs) He's right. (laughs) And for me, me and my business partner, Mikey, when we were really fatigued, that's when the stakes would happen, right? Three o'clock. Yep. Three o'clock is when I make cutting mistakes. It's when I make expensive mistakes. So I try to make sure I'm not doing anything overly complicated past three. That's my rule. That's That's a good rule. That comes from, you know, and that comes back to my Toyota, part of my background. You know, it's a lot of, you hear it filter into the industry. It's continuous improvement, you know, um, that's Kaizen, you know, and and, and reflection, reflection items and things like that. And I always do a reflection on every project. And that's the most common one that I saw for a while was that after three o'clock, I wouldn't make a mistake. And sometimes it'd be a valuable mistake that I had to order something new because of it. So I just kind of make it a rule that after three, kind of winding down. That's a smart, that's a smart uh, program to follow. Hey, uh, do you advertise for your business or is it, cause I've been looking and I was like thinking, wow, you, you're pretty well connected in that area. And it seemed like you had a client base before you made the jump, but is it a lot of uh, word of mouth? Do people contact you because of your, uh, truck wrap or your van wrap or no, they do not because I just have my company name on my van. I do not have my phone number. Um, mainly put the, I only put my company name on where people won't be suspect when I pull in in a gray van with no writing on it. So I do have to put my company name on there, but uh, I have not been in the position to really even need to have like outside calls for years. Um, just wow. with the, the group of, of high end remodelers that I work with, um, customers that I already work with. I I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, and for that, that's one of the reasons why I don't post to Facebook. Um, what I find when I post to Facebook, it hits my actual, t- my audience of people I know directly. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like I let those people down sometimes because they want me to fit in things. And I, I just can't do that. I have too much on my plate already. So I fa- I stopped posting to Facebook a long time ago because of that. Oh, wow. Do people find you on social media? Is that how yes. you use social media? Yes, I use social media. I, I see social media as more like a worldwide stage instead of a local thing. Yep. I like to share the things that I've learned. I like to share about tools, share about techniques, basically everything that I was hungry for when I was in the corporate world, IT world, and when I was trying to, to gain knowledge myself. So I try mm-hmm. to I try to share that. Sometimes that's my downfall, though. I think I go a week sometimes with not thinking that I need to share this or that or this. And then sometimes mm-hmm. I'll share that one little thing and it, it's the thing that takes off. It's a thing that people just go crazy over. And I'm like, I've been doing this for like six years and didn't, didn't know that was, a, you know, so I always have to remind myself of that. Um, YouTube's a whole new beast. You have to actually allocate a little bit more time to YouTube than Instagram. Yeah. And I've yeah. really been putting more of a focus on that this year, but you have to actually block out time for YouTube. That's what, yeah. that's what I found. I, I, uh, I saw on some of your shorts that you have like over a million views. Yeah. I, I feel like I got that part of YouTube down. <laughs> yeah. I've had, <laughs> yeah. I actually, I actually got a, um, an email from them. They actually sending me a, a bonus for all the views that we had. 
I had that got that yesterday. I was pretty excited about that. Um, oh, they did take cool. off. I reused some of my Instagram reels. I reused them yeah. to try it out, but uh, it was it's a good way to get a new audience that wouldn't have found you any other way. That is so cool. Okay. I have, like I said, I've been scrolling through some of your stuff and I see you have a CNC. Okay. And yeah, I've kind of followed you through that. And the, it, it, it was a learning curve, wasn't it? Oh yes. But and, and keep why, in mind, why a CNC and what you do? So it was a learning curve and keep in mind it was a learning curve. And I have been in the computer background since 92. <laughs> I've had a computer oh. and it still was a learning curve for me. So I regularly see people say, oh, you just push a button, no big deal. It is a, it is a mesh between computer world and woodworking world coming together. You have to understand wow. tooling. You have to understand computer, tool pathing. It is, there's a lot to it. It's impressively a lot. Um, but I, I felt like I was capable of, of grabbing it, and I did. Um, and I think most people could. It just takes – there's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. What was your question about that? <laughs> How am I using what do you? It? What, yeah, what are you yes. using it for in your trade? So I've used it a lot for templating. A lot of people think that it makes everything, but sometimes it's, if I need to make a radius, like an arch radius, it's eight feet across. I'll make yeah. the radius and then turn around and use the router on the actual finished wood. I do things like that would be something unconventional that people wouldn't think of. I use it for cutting sheet goods. And that's the, probably the one that just makes me tear up every time I see it because I get so excited when I put a big <laughs> four by eight sheet up there and it just one pass can just tear through it. I, yep. I, I did after a lot, I over-researched probably to the point of that. I tried to buy a machine slightly over what I needed because I didn't want to yep. ever have to go through selling it logistically. Even getting it in my shop was a big deal. I had to hire a company. I mean, it's the size of a car and it weighs that much too. Um, so I got an industrial spindle, uh, back table, pop-up pins, everything that I could do where I would never have to buy another one again. So it's, it's great. It, it goes through three quarter inch ply with just one pass. Um, I've used it to build the internal parts for a boardroom table that was 28 feet long. I've made wow. signs for companies. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of unconventional type things and uses for it. And, and I feel like I've barely scratched the surface and I've had it for like five years now. I've already had it for five years, but wow. it, even though it was extremely expensive, it has already paid for itself. When I think of just even four or five projects, it's already paid for itself. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a another person in the shop while you're well, doing other stuff. Well, what for you? Why you say that? Another person in the shop. My main thinking is, whenever I feel like I need help in the shop, I always look to: is there a tool I can buy instead? Always. Oh. Is there a tool I can buy instead? That's why I have so many tools. <laughs> that's that's sound advice. A, a tool can replace the need for an employee. And I would rather that CNC cut that sheet goods down than bring a guy in and put him on a table saw cutting down or put him on a track saw when it's, it can be done while I'm doing something else. And I don't have right. the liability of keeping up with an employee. So that is one right. of my big goals is not having an employee. Um, yep. Because the last thing I want to do is become a manager. And that's what's happened to me in every aspect yes. of life that I've been in. Um, I was 15 working at Arby's. I wasn't old enough to run the slicer, but they made me a shift manager. <laughs> so I, had to, I had to make sure I brought in somebody that could run the slicer. I had to have somebody 18 every time, every shift. They didn't care much yeah. for me because I wasn't even old enough. But yeah. same thing happened in um, Toyota. I was hands-on and I quickly was promoted up to where I had 30 people reporting to me. And I realized that's not what I want to do. I want to do the work. I don't want to manage the work. So I think that's really important for anybody that wants to get into woodworking or go full time. You need to be really careful about if you grow too fast or too big, you become a manager. And do you want to be a manager of woodworking or home renovation, or do you want to do the work? That's a, that's a big tipping scale that you need to watch and be careful of. Yep. That's why the only other person in my shop in Fort Lauderdale was my business partner. We had a tough time. I was, before I came to work at Festool, we were going to make that leap to bring in somebody to work the, the saw. Mm-hmm. But it, it's that liability of a, an employee. And the cost. And the cost. Yes, and, yeah. and people don't understand that. And, you know, I, I took advice from somebody uh, many, many, many years ago. This guy had 20 employees, mostly installers. He had a big shop in Fort Lauderdale. And he came in one day. I said, Danny, what's up? He goes, I just fired everybody except me and Roger. 
I'm going back to doing it all myself because I found myself putting out fires all yeah. day long. Oh yeah, that's all I did. Mm-hmm. I had I want to get building again. Yeah, I had at one time three guys working for me, and although sometimes you see the productivity gain, the the negatives were outweighing. You yeah. can have good guys, but very very well. That's that's the that's the yeah. sliding scale. If you want to pay people really really high, and then the alternate after that, you have to get more business to pay for them. So it's kind of this: you're feeding the monster. The monster rolls more better. People are more expensive, and then you have to get more work. That's what I found. Do you find like when you have like a big install, do you hire somebody or do you call like a fellow contractor, you know, to help you? Um, Up until my dad passed away in April and he retired 10 years ago. He was a master electrician. He also actually had lymphoma cancer. He had a different version of what Kelly had. Um, He made it 14 years with it by having radiation and chemo. Uh, he retired shortly after I went full time. So it was nice. I could call him whenever I needed an extra hand. Yeah. The timing worked out in the way that Cameron's now 14 and my dad was starting last year to not feel as good. And Cameron was able to fill that gap. Um, yeah. that that's kind of how I've taken on things that require two people, but now I'm just really careful about, about not taking projects that are beyond what I can handle. Uh, it's easy for me to say no now. And that took a long time, but I say no to more projects than I say yes to that for uh-huh. same, pretty much sums it up that way. Um, but for, yeah. Interesting. I got one for you. Okay. Cause I, I keep reflecting the back of how you started and what would be some advice to somebody um, that is maybe in a, uh, an IT position, or I've seen attorneys make the leap. I've seen doctors make the leap, believe it or not. Um, and there's probably going to be some people listening that are actually thinking this. So I have, I have certain advice I give people who are looking to make the leap. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you would say, Ronnie. You know, that's, I could talk for an hour on that one, <laughs> but I'll, yeah, just say, no. I'll stick the high points. I mean, I, I understand more now after living it, than I did before. But I think probably one of the biggest things that stands out to me is that people base it on being busy. And your biggest fear when you make the jump is, will I be busy enough? Will I be busy? That is not a problem. Let me let you, if you're doing a decent or good job and you're dependable and you show up, being busy is not a problem. You will be busy. It's, are you making money? Because I think the Uh, first two years, I was real busy. I was working seven days a week. I was going to festival classes during the day and driving home working <laughs> at night. <laughs> I, was, I was doing everything. But then you sit back and look and you're like, am I making money? And one of the biggest traps you'll fall into is your friends and family back to Facebook. They like to keep you busy, but they're not really going to pay a premium because you're new. And so they yeah. give you the things like, hey, when you slow down, hey, call me when you they are trying uh, to help you, but yep. they actually can hold you back. Um, there are friends and family that were business owners that understood and understood I needed to get a certain rate. But I found you really got to be careful with your your circle you already have. you got to yep. go after clients who see you as an actual craftsman. And clients who don't see you as that, you don't need them. You do not need them. Don't take a job because you think that you may not be busy that three weeks from now. Because you will be. But what happens mm-hmm. when you take it, you sit there and the whole time you're doing this project, you're like, I'm not even making that much money. And I can't, oh boy, I, I passed there. this one up. I've done it. I had to do that many, many, many times before I finally realized. So now when I see somebody, if I'm out in the store and somebody's like, Hey, I've been meaning to talk to you. I'll tell my wife, I feel like I got a bullseye on my head and they're shooting right at my face. And I'm just ready to push that bullet away or knock that arrow <laughs> away. And I always tell them the same thing. I'm like, well, I'm not, I, there's a good chance I will not ever not be busy. So just let me know what you're looking for. And I can talk to you about it instead of them putting it on you because you walk away with, okay, I got to call them when I, when I slow down, I got to call them. And you don't need to remember that. You don't No. Uh, also, I mean, don't be afraid of, of not being busy. The other one is, you know, build your tool arsenal before you jump ship, build yep. it, do projects on the side, make sure it's something you want to do. See what kind of work it is that you like to do. That's probably yep. the other one. And I did that. Yep. That wasn't planned. That was accidentally not on purpose, but um, it worked out. I was doing side installs and understanding what you should charge and what, what, what oh, makes yeah. sense. Uh, yeah, and the other thing, your work is huge. Pricing your work, double whatever you think. 
Whatever you think you should charge, double it. You'll be glad. (laughs) Double whatever you think, especially when you first get into the business. Don't go by what everybody else says. Go set your own price. You shouldn't be buying tools out of your pay that you make off a job. Your job should be paying for your tools. That's, that's another one. Um, Remember the overhead, not just to pay yourself just a little bit, because if you do double right out of the gate, you'll, you'll be in better shape. These are all things I didn't know going out of the gate. I had to kind of learn them on my own. Yeah, it's uh, I've been when you said when you just mentioned you're in the middle of a job and you know you're not making money on it. That's the worst feeling, isn't it? Oh, oh yes. And it, it oh. still happens to me. I, people that follow me may have seen a recent um, nail salon shelf that I made like maybe a month ago or two. Every problem you could have with this project. And it's one I took on the side. I should have known when another woodworker referred the project to me after he sat on it for a few months. The CNC aspect of it was the most complicated thing I've ever had to do. Everything about it. And I I saw it as a job I was going to just fit in on the side. It turned into a headache for two weeks. It still happens. I still have slip ups. (laughs) But if you can be aware of it, you can you can hopefully sometimes counter most of them because that's the kind of thing that takes down your drive, takes down your excitement about the work when you get stuck with something that's just awful um, money wise and, and maybe just the logistics of it. Hmm. That's awesome, man. I just, uh, I'm looking, I have a set of questions right here that I have uh, taped up and I'm just kind of like laughing because I've asked you a question and you just knocked out like four or five of them. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. You know, uh, you know, on that one other note on that, I I think it's really important to tell people that if you are going to make the jump or if you're wanting to make the jump, don't focus just on making money on woodworking. Look for something else that provides like reoccurring revenue because That's something that's really helped me make the leap. I had one rental house when I left already mm. um, that I did on the side. Um, yep. I had renovated and I had had rent coming in. And then doing that each year, I actually see my business building by just adding houses that are rent. And I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is when my wife gets a call, she's a property manager pretty much. And she's on me. Somebody calls, something's wrong. Yep. She's like, when are you going to get over there? So I have to fly over there. Um, other than when I have to do a maintenance item, those houses provide income for us instead of me just having to build everything to make money. Right. So that's, right. that, that's been another not master plan, but, yep. um, I think once we left and we saw we were going to make it, uh, two years in, we started saying, let's try to do a house a year. That was our goal. Yeah. That's what, and we've, we've oh. done that. We've that's done that. Wicked smart. It, it works. And it, we call it our third roommate. So it works out. <laughs> Our third roommate. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny because, you know, when you, like in my cabinet shop, I wanted to build kitchens, bath vanities. I wanted to build pieces of custom furniture. And we did. But boy, we had one client that I, I was taught years ago by a very famous woodworker. It, you may not like what they're ordering, but if they're paying, sit at the table and eat. And I was like, huh, that made a lot of sense. So we had this one client that we would jump every single time when they wanted a, a, a Formica uh, countertop. And they would do maybe two a month. But boy, they paid on time and very well for those. Yes. Yes. So it's kind of like it was for us, it was a reoccurring uh, a re- reoccurring revenue to pay that the shop rev, uh, the shop overhead. Right. Reoccurring. Cool. Reoccurring is where it's at. If you can do reoccurring, yeah. you are you're in good shape, because if not, you're on that hamster wheel and you're just trying to get the next job paid, next job paid, next job paid. And where does it end? And I think sometimes when I feel overwhelmed, that's what I look back at is that I, I've got that in place those houses are appreciating and i'm making a monthly income off from those and they were generated from while i was doing my business you know i I take about two or three months a block off in the winter and we just hit it hard and we buy houses that are usually um foreclosed and they're in bad shape they need a lot of work and we just i end up buying tools i would never buy like i bought the festival drywall sander because i didn't want (laughs) i was i was adding one wall on a house added made it a third bedroom (laughs) And I was like, I don't yeah. want to bother with getting a drywall guy in here for this one wall. Yeah. And I just, I bought the drywall sander and I love it. I've used it probably four times in like five years, but I love it. It makes me it's, like drywall, you know? It's there when you need it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I always look at it. 
what I bought that for is what I would have paid somebody to come in and do that drywall work. So instead I bought a tool and I've got it forever. And that's the way I look at tools. You may not use some of them a lot, but you've got it when you need it. Oh, cool. So you own a bit of festival, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'd say a bit. I won't look like your wall. in the background. (laughs) Hey, you've got a wall and I've got a wall. Yeah, I was inspired when I came to Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) Holy moly. So that was an investment, wasn't it? It was, but over a 14-year period, it's not overwhelming to look at as you break it down. Um, I try to make a practice of only buying tools as I need them. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll have something in mind, like a Domino XL I have in mind. And I'm like, the next time somebody asks me to build something, if, if they want to pay this amount, I'll do, and also get a Domino XL out of it. So I remember my Domino XL was a gate. It was a big, huge gate, um, outdoor gate. And I was like, it's going to need an XL. So I just tacked on the price of the XL on there. And guess what? They said, yes. And so then I got an XL. And most of my tools are like that. They've, um, they've been purchased through a project. So I didn't feel the the hit is bad. It takes off my profitability, but it's worth it because I have that tool for the next project. I got a question for you. You ready? Yeah. So have you bought a fest tool and ever been disappointed? Have you had to buy a fest tool a second time? Buy a fest tool a second time? Yeah. Say you bought, you know, say you bought a tool and something happened to it. No. Right. Oh, it, like it needed a repair. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, well, I had a Capex in the top of my enclosed trailer flip yep. over onto its top. And I had to send it off. And that's when I learned I should have kept my box. <laughs> so oh, I think for yeah, all Capex owners, right. take your box and break it down and put it in your attic just so you have it because it makes it easier to ship. Um, but I sent it back to you all. You got it right back to me. It was way out of warranty because I've had it for 12 years. Um, it was, this yeah. was when it was like probably seven years old, but the cost was very reasonable. And still my laser little stickers on the side that where you adjust the lasers, they still yeah. have not been touched. The lasers were still perfect, even off to drop about six feet off onto the floor. So that, awesome. that Capex has been, it was one of the first big tools I bought out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I bought that about 12 years ago and I use it all the time. I use it on the shop. I use it on the job site. I carry it everywhere. And it amazes me that those lasers are still dead on perfect each side of the blade. That's cool. So that's, that's pretty impressive. You've had a, a, you've had your festival tools for a long time. Yeah. If you, if you notice, if you can see in the background, a lot of my tools, my containers are even almost yellowed uh, because they're out so much. Um, a lot of them are, I probably have 30 old style sustainers. And what I do is I usually change those over to being um, like plumbing container and a electrical container. I, I use them in that way. So when I yep. pack, I can grab them and, and know what I'm, I'm taking with me. Um, but yeah, I have been for a long time. I've been so long. I can't remember where I was introduced to Festool. I cannot remember. I, oh. I know I have some theories. It's one of the, it's either Wood Whisper. <laughs> if the, if oh. Mark was using them. In yep. 97, I know I was watching him while I was in my corporate cubicle. I was watching yep. him, you know, he was one of the yep. first people on YouTube that I was learning things from. Um, and if they were on this old house, they taped him up forever. And if I saw Tom Silva use it, I would have been investigating it. Or oh, there's one other one, Woodcraft. I think I may have seen it at Woodcraft because I always went to that store. Uh, one of those three places opened my eyes to Festool, and that's kind of how it started. And uh, I have sold so many track saws. I tell people all the time. All the time. They're like, what, what little, what little um, portable table saw should I buy for like five or $600? I'm like, don't, don't buy a portable table saw. And they don't like that answer. They think I need a table saw. I want to yeah. do woodworking. And I'm like, you don't need one. When you need a table saw, you need a bigger one for doing what use a track saw. And some people don't like that answer. They think, no, that's not what I've nope. seen, but it is, it, you can do so much with that. Um, the only thing I use my cabinet saw is for is really big, hunk, chunky things, you know, doing grooves and things like that. Yeah. Um, that was my first festival tool was a track saw and my, uh, CT-22. My, so that's funny. That was my first tool. But mine was uh, the ATF-55 with a CT-22. and But I didn't buy it. I bought the CT-22 about a month later. 
but I needed the, the ATF 55 for a really compound bevel on plywood and it just worked like a champ. Oh yeah. And, the bevels. Uh, that, yeah. And it's my favorite tool. Everybody says, Hey, what's your favorite festival? I, for festival, I was supposed to say all of them. Yeah. But, uh, it's the, the track saw just, I get giddy sometimes when I cross cut a piece of plywood and it's completely 100% oh, yeah. splinter free. And you didn't, have, you didn't have to lift the plywood too. That's the nice part. No, the plywood, I know, you know, lifting it is just awful. So it's nice to be able to just write in place. Love it. Yeah. And, pe- and people don't believe you when you say, Hey, you don't have to haul a little job site table saw out. You don't yeah. have to. You don't. It just, and you're on a job site a lot. Your tools get transported. I mean, yeah, I'm I, always looking at your stacks out on the, out on the job site. Yeah. I use mine out. I use mine out, especially this year outside of the shop more than inside the shop. Um, especially this year and probably last year. Um, they get a little bit of rained on sometimes they get, I see them in the gravel where they fell off from things. I mean, I'm really, uh, sometimes I see people, well, let's see, wait, this one, you got the CXS drill. You see the label's not even, you can't even see the label on it where it's been, <laughs> you know, but I mean, yeah. this, this, these go with me everywhere I go. They're usually stepped on my side. Um, they're, they're not as, I see some people treating them like Rolls Royce Bentleys that you have to polish and put back in the case. They're, they're made yeah. to be used and uh-huh. I, I, you can use them hard. And I, I love, there's a three empty and also, so love that if even it's out of warranty, I yep. just send it in. And every time I've had three uh-huh. different tools repaired, it's all been my fault and it's all came back quickly and the cost has been very fair. So yeah. uh, there's a video out there showing of something about the track saw and what's inside of it and things. I don't care if there's little elves in there on bicycles, <laughs> making the blade go around. I don't care. I don't care. I just know that it works. I don't care. And everybody references this video. This guy did and said, Oh, oh there's a plastic ear in there. I don't I, care what it's in there. Know. All I know is it works for me and I have used that same saw for 14 years and it's doing great. So keep the elves pedaling in there. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. We try to hide them behind the fast <laughs> switch, you know, <laughs> that is so cool to hear you say stuff like that, Ronnie. Cause, uh, you know, I work, I always say this in a lot of podcasts or on festival live, I work for the company. Of course, I'm going to tell you they're really good tools They to hear it coming from you. That's awesome. Oh, they are. I mean, I, I was, I was in the, I was, I was into festival when I first, cause obviously I went to your class, but I've only become more of a fan as, as it's progressed because, and I'm not all festival. I mean, I have Bosch drills. I have, of I have course. other tools too. And you know, some of the things I'm holdouts on, I had Bosch drills for a long time and I was like, I have no need for festival drills. But then I picked up a CXS and I was like, this thing is light. This thing doesn't even have, a, this thing can do screws, everything, everything except lag bolts. I'm going to use this for it. They started getting dust. The other one started getting dust. Um, so some yeah. of the things that I, I have thought weren't great ideas, then I use them. And I'm like, yeah. why haven't I been using this already? So sometimes I feel like you all are reading my mind and know what I need before. Yeah. You're like Apple. You're like Apple. You know yeah. what I need more than I do. <laughs> hey, you know, what's really funny is I'm thinking about 2022 and 2023. And boy, we got some tools I know you are going to love. You killed it's me with amazing. that. amazing. You killed me. When uh, I see you, always, you're like, wait, just wait. And I'm always like, oh. you're right. You're always oh, right. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is what's funny. I, and I always go back to the Domino XL. For years, I had to keep my trap shut because I knew that XL was coming out and people like, oh, I wish I had a domino that was a little bit longer, right? Uh-huh. And I and for like three or four years before, I was like, it's coming, but I yeah. can't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I had a little bit of that when it's I was at cool. Toyota. I would know things that were coming out and people would say, oh, I wish they had it. I was like, it's coming, but I couldn't say that. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is kind of a, a fun a fun question. Shop dog versus shop cat. Shop cat for me, and it wasn't by choice. I had a kitten. I, I had a kitten show up under a trailer, and he just stuck around. We named him Domino, <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's it's made my daughter come to the shop more than she ever has before. Mm. So it's great. She comes out now, and my wife too. She comes out more. So we, we get along at first. I was like, I'm not sure about this, but he stays to himself. He leaves sometimes for extended amount of time and he comes back. 
So it's it's a good relationship. I have a little he has a little chip and a, a door that lets him in so he can yeah. come and go as he pleases. And That's he's got so an automatic cool. feeder because I had to set him up. We go we, we leave for three weeks, you know, we go across country. I had to set ah. it up. So I've got an automated feeder. So we're, we're kind of like roommates out the shop. <laughs> I've and shown he him just a, showed up. He just showed up. He was like the size of your hand when he was yeah. meowing under there. I don't know how he ended up out here at the shop. No idea. It's funny. I, I got three shop dogs and the last one, I, we showed up to the breeder and we had to choose between about six different girls. And I said, I don't know how to choose. They're all beautiful. And all of a sudden the, uh, the breeder put them up to our feet and Dublin came right over to us. And she goes, I told you it was going to be easy. They That's, know you. That does make it easy. You know, we, we cool. actually made the leap on a dog yeah. two years ago and I brought him out a few times. He's a little like part chihuahua and like nine other things. He shakes when he hears the yeah. sound of the, of the, he's not a good shop dog. It terrifies him when I have something on at the shop. So I don't bring him out. Oh, the cat doesn't yeah. hear. <laughs> He'll yeah. he'll lay on his My belly dog just lay there. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's good. They just lay there. I know. Too cool. Okay. Uh, let's see what I got here. Hmm. Next question. This is fun for me. So you, is your favorite, let me see if I get this right. Is your favorite festival tool the tracks are? I think that would be the one that I couldn't live without. I don't ah. know if it's my favorite. I would say it's the one I can't live without. Which yeah. favorite? You know, I, I almost would say the most used tool I, is two CXS drills. I have to have those with me. The drill drivers, I have to have them with me almost every day. I, sometimes that's the only thing I get out of my van is my bit kit and my drills and my drivers. That's that's probably one of my favorite. I love how light they are. I got yeah. to a habit where I was using 18 volts for everything before I went to the CXS because I felt like I needed the power and just how light they are. I, I love them. I love them. Too cool. You got a favorite fest tool accessory? Let's see. Do, do the sort tainer and the sys three containers count? Wow. They do. They, they do. do. Okay. That's mine, yeah. man. That's mine. I, I love them. I see. I've got one sort tainer right there. Yeah. And then yeah. I've got, there's more. And then I also have them in the van and um, the new sys three containers. I've been outfitting those lately. I've done about seven of them and yep. it's amazing how much they hold and they, they fix every problem. I had the old version. I love how yep. the, the squares, the, the containers stay in place. Even if you lose one or take one out, cause that does happen yep. and they still of stay course. in place. I, I really, the improvements on those are huge. So uh, that's probably one to be my favorite because I use them so much and they, they, they save me time. They save me time. Um, wow. Having the, the things there and organized, it's, it's critical. Everything's got to have its place. You know, Ronnie, I just learned something from you today. What's that? It's funny because I know this, but I haven't shown people this. And I'm going to do a Festool Sedge tip in the next couple of days on how even if you remove one of the boxes, they still stay because of that upper grid. Yes. What a great, what a it's, great thing to teach people. It is wow. huge. It wow. is huge. Okay. So what, I have a question. What do you think was your biggest, who was your, what, who was your biggest influence? going into uh, the trades. Who, who do you it think? would have to be Norm Abram for sure, without a doubt. Wow. Um, New Yankee Workshop, this old house, and then Tom Silva right there with him. Um, yeah. I think Tom was more in the background when I was younger. Um, they mm -hmm. kind of brought him out in front of the camera more. So I, I wish Tom had a show as well because he's got a wealth of knowledge. But but Norm, I would watch. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a double-edged sword with Norm, Norm I've noticed. I love to watch him, but I've also learned I, I love to fall asleep watching him. <laughs> if that makes any sense. He's so, he's so calming and he's so, you're just like, ah, do you, do you ever, do you ever feel that? You like, just feel like I'm like in my Zen place when I'm watching that. And I could watch the same show over and over again because I pick up on different things. But I remember watching Norm. I would not only be watching Norm, I'd be looking in the background in his shop. I'd be like, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a Porter cable router. There's that, there's that. And then I would go yeah. out and I'd look for it. And I would buy tools I didn't even know I needed because I saw uh -huh. him using them. Uh -huh. I know a funny story with that before, there's, before there was YouTube and things. I bought a router because everything said I should get a router. 
and I'm, I'm corporate yep. IT boy and I grab the router first thing, put a bit in there. I get on there and I just go to town and I'm going with the direction <laughs> and it takes off on me. And I was yeah. like, well, this tool sucks. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I put it up on the shelf and I didn't use it for years because there was not an easy way to learn how to use a tool. This was not that long ago, but you couldn't just bring up YouTube and say how to use a router. It, you just yep. kind of had to learn from somebody who was already doing it. So that's, that's where I appreciate the whole social media so much. You can actually pick up now and learn things without learning the hard way. <laughs> you want to hear a good one? Yeah. You want to hear a really funny one about which way a router goes? Which way? I, uh, and this is going to go full circle because I had a conversation years ago with Norm Abram. And I said, hey, Norm, how do you teach people which way a router goes? And he went through a few things. You go, a router wants to take you left. You go left to right. And, or if you're doing an outside curve uh, or outside, you go what? Uh, counterclockwise inside it's clockwise, right? Mm -hmm. And then I, ha I showed him my way of showing people how to use it. And he went, oh, that's pretty cool. So then I finally said, hey, Noam, you know how you really know which way your router goes? And he goes, how? <laughs> and I go, Put a big old bit on there and go the wrong way. <laughs> that's what. That's exactly what I did. First time going, I'm like, I got the biggest bit I can get. I'm going to go for it. One pass, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. <laughs> and he chuckled and he said, you know what? But you're right. <laughs> it's funny. It's uh, And, you know, fast uh, forward. Go ahead. I go ahead. teach people about routers all the time. And I tell them, don't fear it. Have respect for it understand which way you're taking the router, but it is the most versatile tool in the shop. Oh, it is. And it's also the messiest, but when you combine it with the, I'm going to, here I am, Mr. Festool, you combine it with a dust extractor, it is not, and it's a pleasure to use. Yeah, and, and you know, that's where I think a lot, there's a lot of people out there that may be IT people or corporate people, they're getting into woodworking, they go out and they buy Festool and they've never used other tools. They don't realize how amazing yeah. it is. Because a mm -hmm. lot of my pre-tools, like the router I bought from Lowe's, and yeah. it was not a great router. I mean, it was like yeah. dust everywhere. And I saw <laughs> the alternative. And now people go to your you know, uh, show and see, your, see you in action. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, the routers does that. They don't think about what the dust collection is doing. And that's huge. You don't want to work around a bunch of dust. <laughs> that is so, huge. Speaking of shows, I saw you and the missus up in Providence, Rhode Island at JLC. What would you think of the show? That It was great. It was nice to feel back a normal feeling again. There's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of brand reps up there that I'm, I know through social media and a lot of other people on social media. And I was able to see some of those people for the first time in like four years um, since the last yeah. – was it four years since the last JLC show maybe? Was it three or four? Somewhere around that range. No, it's uh, – Two years since we okay. Were well, it been it been four since I'd been up to JLC. So I saw a lot wow. of the local New Englander people up there that come to the show every year, and it was great that to get the, out and see that and see the tools. I'm glad you all the, were there. <laughs> that had the correct accent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we we actually skipped out on the show after Friday, and we went for the weekend to Newport, and uh, it was oh. amazing. We stayed right there by the water, and it was a uh, it was a nice trip. It's such a beautiful part of the country. It, it is. Those those mansions are unbelievable. The like the yeah. Vanderbilt, the Breakers Mansion, all those are right there. And it's just unbelievable that they they built that with hand tools that long ago and how extravagant it is. It's it's just unbelievable. It's amazing. Cool. So speaking of not being out and about I'm going to ask you one more question that I ask everybody on this is this has been a trying couple of years and it continues. Has it affected you, your business, the pandemic? Um, if anything, it's been positive for my business. I think mm -hmm. I'm hearing that from most people in the trades. I think it's mm -hmm. my theory is it's because people have been home more and they've had, they've decided they just want to move forward with that thing that they didn't have time to ever think about before. And then they were at home and they're like doing this. So I, I, I've seen nothing but more business from it. But the, the struggle has been getting materials, especially this year. Um, oh, yeah. Last year, it wasn't too bad for materials. But this year, I'm seeing some major delays. And it's really frustrating mm -hmm. because, you know, you try to always meet your timeline. But 
if you don't have the material, especially aluminum, gosh, aluminum right now is it's bad. Um, yeah. so that's, that's been the biggest, <laughs> Tell us impact. about it. yeah. Oh yeah. I guess you probably know that. Don't you <laughs> You do a couple <laughs> oh of those God. rails, you do those rails. <laughs> it is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah it's, it, uh, a lot of it's the microchip. Yeah. Uh, that's um, any kind of chip things also we're seeing, but, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to being norm, more normal. I would rather it be less busy and be able to get materials. Um, and I yeah. feel like hopefully maybe next year we'll be, we'll be getting into that, that, that space. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough to prolong, um, telling people that they can't have something like postponing jobs and stuff like that, that delays are crazy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that's been sure. probably the biggest impact um, for me, yeah. but it did allow some uh, break time at home with just when the kids weren't in school, I see that as a yeah. blessing. We were home together for a lot of a year and that, that was good. That was good. Um, yeah. So there's some positive that came out. I think it forced everybody to slow down a little bit and rethink about things. I think yep. maybe that's why there's a shortage of bus drivers now because people got home and thought about things and said, <laughs> I can't do it. Anymore. I know. I know. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of changes. For, for me, um, I always say, I always try to find silver linings in something, you know, and the pandemic for us is we started Festool Live. Now we're doing shop talk and we really got to reevaluate a lot of things. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it, there's been some positives, but that going, I just hope everybody stays safe. So I know you're a busy guy, but I want to, throw this at you and say, do you get any questions for us? Wow. Um, well, let's see. First, you can just go down the list of all the new things that are coming out that we can all be excited about. <laughs> hey, is that a butterfly? That's a butterfly. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, let's see. Hey, when, when's your next, uh, when's your next like show at a, like a tool supplier or something like that? Do you have one coming up? Yeah. Like you're dealing with more traveling now? Yeah, I uh, I just did two shows. Uh, we did the one out in Las Vegas, AWFS, and we did JLC. Okay, you got it. But we're going to stay a little local, and I think I can announce it. I'm going to announce it on Festool Live this week. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our first Festool Live in St. Louis. Oh, up cool. here. I think it's on the 30th. It's going to be on a Thursday. Okay. And we're going to do it over at, uh, I believe, Beaver Tool. Oh, okay, cool. I know. Yeah, tool. and then, and then uh, I think we got something else coming up in the fall. We're just trying to verify all of it. But you know, I always go and do the demo day at Hatville. Mm-hmm. So maybe I could see you up there. Yeah. I think I've, yeah, that's that's, a, that's great too. Yeah. yeah. So how's many? Yeah. How's many? Oh my God! I almost forgot. <laughs> she told me to say hi. Is she there? <laughs> Yeah, she's there? at the front. Oh, okay. Front she, well, tell Minnie I'll say hi. I will. She yeah. said, you make sure you tell Roddy hi. Yeah, she was <laughs> She was the first face I saw when I came to that class, however, 12 years ago. And uh, it's it's uh, great to still see her around sometimes. I see her in the background on shots. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's unbelievable. She's the heart of this entire company. Oh, I, I always tell everybody, you must obey her. Yes, <laughs> yes. And don't ever get on her back. That's uh, yeah, she's a boss. <laughs> Woo! She is the boss. Yes. Too cool. Ronnie, I want to thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. Awesome. Uh, man, stay in touch. We'll stay in touch. And uh, thank you for your valuable time. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. You betcha. You See betcha. You. Say hi to the family. Will do.